The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Hello, right, well, welcome everybody. Looks like we're back on, and uh, we'll get the show started. Uh, we have, are lucky enough to have our neighbors from halfway down the block, uh, right on Interactive. Right on Interactive is a uh, marketing automation platform. They started as a uh, marketing automation services company, and then have evolved uh, into that. They've been around for how many years, Troy? It'd be it'll be six years here, and it's a few weeks. Wow, six years. Um, congratulations on that. Uh, so six years here in a two, it doesn't seem like that long. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah time does fly. So for everybody who doesn't know, Troy and I actually work together at Exact Target, and Andy Clark is part of the team now, and, and Andy was actually my boss for a short period. Thanks for having um, Yeah, absolutely. Those are some uh, fun times, me and Andy running back and forth between meetings and uh, and trading notes. It was it was pretty hectic. Um, but uh, but Troy, I wanted you on the show today, and I wanted your team on the show today, um, obviously to, to introduce our audience to marketing automation as a whole, and then talk a little bit more about uh, Right on Interactive, and really how you guys have carved your own niche in that space as well, because you're not like the other players in the space. Um, can you talk a little bit about why you started Right on Interactive? The, you know, I've always, I mean, the, the, I guess on a personal basis, the, the question was why did I want to start the company? I had a passion for going out and uh, making my own niche in the world. But what I noticed when I worked at Exact Target and I left, I had a lot of experience around, I came from the sales portion, the sales side there at Exact Target was that as I'm going into big enterprise customers and they were buying email marketing to help their email marketing efforts, there was still a, a real challenge around how do we really take this 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 technology email and make it work for our, our company in a more effective way. There was a big challenge around leveraging data in a more effective way to try to drive relevancy or try to drive trigger or automated communication. So when I first started the company, my first few clients that I had that came on board, there was a, uh, a big opportunity to try to connect with the back-end system to automate communication. We, before we started our product, today, I guess uh, rolled out our product today, which is ROI, Customer lifecycle marketing, we had a product called Five Buckets. Yep. And the theory behind Five Buckets was I have a, you know, a CRM system or I have a SQL database and then I have a messaging platform, whether it's an email marketing system or a text messaging system or a voice messaging system. And how can I trigger or automate communications based on changes or updates that builds in this other database? And with Five Buckets, we had a lot of Success. We brought on close to around 50 customers. The first was Conseco yep. that we had as a customer that were trying to tie in multiple data systems. And it, it, uh, it was, I, I like to say it's sort of like the flex capacitor. When you think about, well, I have, you know, this database, I have this platform system, but they're not connected. How can I easily connect them? Right. And it became the universal connector between the systems. But it wasn't really, uh, I guess most marketers weren't waking up in the middle of the night thinking, I need a universal connector to drive my business. And I like to show Jerry Maguire where he stays up all night and writes this white paper and says, I'm going to change my business. That's really how it was for us. 
I crafted this white paper on customer lifecycle marketing and said that the at the end of the day, it's all about relationships. And there's folks that you don't know and folks that you do. I guess they don't, they don't know your brand and the folks that do. And it's a journey. So how do you effectively move the right people through a more engaged relationship with your brand? And if you do that, you're going to win. Right? You're going to win more business. You're going to win more revenue. That's going to be your customers telling great stories. They're going to refer more friends. You're going to have more visibility. So it comes down to understanding each individual prospect and customer and trying to provide the right relationship and trying to provide the right experience for them to find more value from, from your company. And that's, and that's where I said you guys are a bit different in that, in that it seems most of the people in the marketing automation space stop at the sale. So when, when the close closes, that's all they care about, right? They, they got the lead in. They automated it. They sent them a million emails until they clicked on one, <laughs> you know, and got them to buy, and then that's over with. Where you guys are really different, I think, in the space is that you almost just pick it up there. I mean, you do pick it up before then, obviously, but, but that's really when the, the work starts getting done is for you to understand now, now that there's a customer um, what are we going to do to handle that customer, and what kind of attributes can we collect to improve, you know, the relationship that we have with that customer? Yeah, a, a great question to ask, you know, companies that are out there. If they were to evaluate their business and say, out of all the business we closed this past year, what percentage of that business was sourced for marketing, was truly sourced for marketing, not influenced by marketing, but truly sourced by marketing? And the studies I have seen is out there saying the best in class P2P companies are somewhere around 20%. Yeah. And so as a marketer, are you majoring the right things if all your alignment is around majoring just those marketing-generated leads in a marketing funnel, and you're ignoring the 80% that truly powers the rest of your business? So as we look at this, it's not about just that 20%. And absolutely, you should track what's your cost per lead and what sources are driving leads and how are you passing to the sales team. The marketing plays such a much more important role throughout the entire organization with maintaining great consistency, making sure that the right stakeholders within the organization have the right messaging to deliver to the customers. Um, so would you take a little bit different approach to it? Of course, yes, we track your leads from marketing, and we tell you which ones have been passed to sales and how much money has been generated um, from marketing-generated leads. But we also tell you things such as, um, which one of your customers are engaged with marketing activities? Which one of your, you know, customers that are driving referrals for you and what sources? We tell you which one of your partners and your partner ecosystem are driving revenue for you. And so it's looking at your business as a whole saying what really works for you, and it's not just on that front end. I go and talk to CMOs or VPs of marketing all day long, and I say, hey, next week's your board meeting. you got one slide that says marketing. What's the one KPI that you're tracking? And unfortunately, nine times out of ten, they'll have a little chart and they'll say, it's leads over time. Right. You know, I'm driving more leads and check this out. I'm rocking, right? For the last three months in a row, I've increased leads month and month, month after month. And by the way, they cut my budget three times. Yeah. But I continue to do it. And I'm like, wow, what's the secret sauce? How are you doing that? <laughs> so, Troy, if, if, if I am, a, uh, let's say I'm a CEO or a VP of marketing or, uh, or a CMO, Tell us some other warning signs, if you will. You've already identified one warning sign. Um, what are some others that, that you know folks might be looking for? 
the, the number one thing is tracking engagement, right? So there's, there's two things you want to understand is they say when every business, every business has an 80-20 rule. So 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your audience. So if you take that 20% and you dissect that group of customers, how do they look? Right. So from a pornographic or from a geographic or from uh, demographic information, what's, what's consistent? Maybe it's revenue, maybe it's employees, maybe it's SIC codes, maybe it's within a certain region or territory. If it's on the consumer side, it could be age, it could be marital status, it could be square footage of home. Right. It could be a whole host of different uh, attributes there. So once you identify them, track your entire database. And then look at your marketing programs or your sales activity and say, are we doing the right activity against the right fit? And as you're driving new leads into the system, do they match up with their ideal profile or not? Hey, I've got 2,000 leads this month. Awesome. Are they against the fit? No. I on a scale of 1 to 100, I give them all a 3. All right, so you drove a lot of bad leads. Right. And so one of the first indicators is looking at the health of your organization and understanding that 80-20 rule and maintain and, and see where you are. Um, I have a lot of fun with sales guys. And I'll go into a sales manager and ask him, you know, hey, what are you measuring? And I'll say, oh, it's pretty simple, Troy. You know, I, I get measured on one thing, and it's, it's, it's uh, quota performance. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. And uh, so how do you break that down? Well, I have 50 sales guys, and I take my total number, and I break it out, and I have some territories. It's based on some historical information from last year, but every salesperson has a quota. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. I think everyone gets that. That's how it works. You do it by quarter. You do it by month. But what are you tracking today? What are you tracking today or tomorrow for each salesperson to find out, is this person going to be successful or not? Right. And in this case, nine, nine out of ten times, guess what they tell me? Uh-oh. <laughs> no, they've got to track an activity. Oh, I track calls per hour. I track how many phone calls they make. Yeah. Phone calls yeah. they make, proposals they generate. They track all this stuff. Yeah. And, and I say, okay, so basically your hypothesis is that if I have – 50 sales reps, and I stack rank them based on who has the most activity, the number one guy will be your number one sales rep. <laughs> and they say, well, no, that's not really it. He's probably my worst one. And I'm like, okay, well, where's your number one sales rep? Well, he's down here in the middle. And I keep telling him, just want your stuff into Salesforce so I can prove that this model works. Right. And the reality is that being busy isn't the same as being productive. And a salesperson who has just a ton of activity, it's not really going to do a whole lot for you. So, so you need to make sure. So what I say is, okay, look, let's stop right there and let's say take all your sales guys, all that sales activity. I don't care what first meeting, second meeting, space, all that, just anything they do, call it an activity. And let's stack rank them based on that. Now let's stack rank them just on activity against the fit. How does that look? It's going to shift a little bit, right? You might have a guy down here that had least activity, but everything that he did, it was against the fit, right? Right? Or you might, you know, and then, then okay, how does that look? And it's going to change a little bit. I'm like, don't stop there, right? There's still more to go. And when you think about engagement, what is engagement? There's nothing more powerful than a face-to-face meeting with someone. I mean, it is. People say it's not about relationships. Relationships are pretty essential to selling. It's pretty essential to a brand. And if a salesperson can get an hour on the phone with a prospect or an hour, I guess, in face-to-face with a prospect, it's pretty, pretty valuable. I, I joke with people that engagement means getting the rank, right? And it's not engagement when you're just dating. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't just tell someone we're engaged because I commented on your Facebook <laughs> you know, page. So, you know, unless you're getting the ring, you're not engaged. 
Yeah, or if you leave someone a voicemail, you can't say there's any engagement there either. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I've seen, I've seen just like you were saying, I worked at a company that laid off the lead salesperson because they weren't making their quota for calls. It happens all the time. Yeah. Okay, so, so you look at engagement, you say, okay, so face-to-face meeting, Troy, that's pretty powerful. Let's give that 20 points. And if I call someone, leave them a voicemail, well, there's no engagement. There's a ball being thrown, but there's not a ball being thrown back. So at zero points. Yep. Uh, if I talk to them on the phone, maybe I give them a few points. And so you look at, you know, different activities that you do. Now you say, now take your top sales guy or take your entire sales team, take all the activity against the fit, and now take it against who's driving the most engagement. So if you have one sales guy that has five meetings and every meeting is worth 20 points, he's going to have 100 points. Yep. You've got another sales guy that makes 300 cold calls and lives 300 voicemails. He has zero engagement. Right. Who's going to be more successful? Right. Right? The guy that had the five meetings against the fit. So tracking the two indicators, Marty, back to you would be really understanding your database against the who should be, you know, engaged with us and who has the right to attributes. And then um, so it's engagement and fit. And, and, it's, and it's not just from a not just from a close perspective either, right? Because you can close, you can sell close the wrong leads, you know, and and you're just tying up, you know, more time down the road, right? I mean, now your account management team and your customer service team and everybody else are are wrestling with this person that you shouldn't have, you know, brought in, but it was because, you know, it was, the quota was calls per per hour or whatever. Well, we hear about this with consumer brands, right? A couple of years ago, there was the same consumer brand that fired portion of the customers because they were not profitable uh, on their credit card. So I think every company looks across their database, they say, our ideal customers will look like this. And the question is, do you understand it? And if so, why are you measuring your entire database? You know, we, we uh, even at DK Media, we, we've shifted our focus and our prospect that we used to just be, you know, inbound marketing and that's all we used to tout to people was, was that. But but what we've noticed is we've had three, two failed B2C contracts. And, and when I say failed, I mean, we met the expectations of what we said that we were going to do for the customer, but it still just wasn't right from an industry standpoint. And, and the big thing that we see is when you're in B2C, the numbers have to be a lot larger. Those margins are a lot smaller. And, and we just don't fit in that atmosphere. We just, we just don't. You know, we need to be working with businesses that have a good, you know, margin there. And, and, but it took me two years to figure that out. You know, it took two years of wrestling with a couple of really tough B2C clients, you know, that ate up all of our time and energy for me to figure that out. You know, and, it, and it, it's, you know, so your point is absolutely well taken that you have to figure out who your right customer is. Well, they, they say it's not what you say yes to, it's what you say no to. That makes you great. And so understanding where you spend your time, effort, energy is pretty critical as a business and as a individual person, period. Yeah. And that's a remarkably effective way of approaching sales. But equally important, you know, in, in listening to, to, to Troy's story, it's actually the way I think salespeople like to engage. Yeah. And, you know, that, that notion of engagement um, I would think things are easier and, and uh, better for salespeople uh, using the solution. It does, because it puts the power back on the salesperson. So if I'm the VP of sales and I'm tracking everyone by engagement, 
I'm not monitoring your full calls or activities. This show up tomorrow with a thousand engagement points or whatever else it is. And what's cool about it is if the sales guy says, hey, it makes sense for me to put my contacts in the database now. And it makes sense for me to opt them in because I know marketing's now going to nurture them with some emails. Yep. Right? And so there's a reason for sales and marketing to work together because it's all around that customer and the salesperson trying to drive engagement, the marketing team trying to drive engagement, and everyone's working together in harmony. Should we say? I'm all drinking beer together. Well, the rest of your team showed up. I don't want to ignore them. Let's, let's go around the room and introduce the ROI team. Sure. I'll start us off here. My name is Lauren Weatherall, and I've been with the Right On team almost two years now, uh, which it's hard to even believe it's, it's been that long. I know you guys were talking about that earlier. I was actually introduced to Right On through another program called the Or Fellowship, which is de- definitely gaining some traction here in the indie area. Essentially, it aims to connect highly qualified recent college graduates with small, fast-growing companies. Um, in the area, you know, a connection that's not normally easily made. So, very fortunate to have been introduced to Right One. Um, I currently am engaged in many of the marketing initiatives for the company, and I'm very excited of working working with the team on that. Well, that's good. You get a lot of competition here in the area on the Lower Fellowship too. So. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, it, a, a lot of local companies are very much engaged. So you guys have like hidden meetings that nobody knows about, where you brag about what your growth is at your company <laughs> compared to those or anything. No comments. <laughs> Right to me, we have uh, Andy Clark is here. Andy and I actually worked together in Tech Target uh, for for a time together. Wasn't too long ago. That's yeah, sure. Yeah, and then I uh, I had a number of different things for for Right On. Uh, so doing corporate strategy, uh, marketing partnerships. So the official cap is VP of Business Development. Uh, since the last 15 plus years in marketing with the long standard exact target, uh, as well as the Primo and uh, Walker Information Hotel. Fantastic. And I'm Steve Ernstberger. I'm the email marketing specialist and designer and uh, developer. Uh, I work on the website for us, and I also do a lot of our email marketing uh, things. Uh, and I've been at right on for about six months and uh, been in the industry about five years. So you got thrown into the fire. You, you went in there and totally redesigned the website, and that's a uh, so Steve's the the brains behind the creative on the website. It's a beautiful new website. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I have to give you guys some credit too because I I designed it and then uh, I didn't I didn't pitch that to you. It's always good, you know. I mean I think I think people underestimate the power of a of a beautiful website. They they really do. They, they, it's hard to say, you know, an ugly web uh, a pretty website is worth X dollars, you know, compared to an ugly website. And uh and so seeing a company just take a proactive step that, you know what, this really doesn't represent us. We we need to take it up a notch. Um, we love seeing that, and, and honest, quite honestly, we movie trap a lot of our customers into it. That we go get a design and then show them what their site could look like, and embarrass them a little bit. You know, you guys went the opposite direction and said, "No, nah, I think we need to do design." So, so kudos. Yeah, it was, it was a great team effort. Yeah, awesome. uh, and I have worked in 
in doing redesigns for companies and all that kind of thing. Uh, so I got here and I'm kind of like, uh, this needs to change. <laughs> Well, yeah, if you've got a designer that doesn't like the design, that's, that's, a, that's a bad situation to be in. You've always got to redesign. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, uh, another part of what we were talking about was affordability um, with clients, and that's, and that's that companies, I think, overestimate the expense of a marketing automation system because historically that's been a six-digit expense with client servers and IT teams. And, and everything else, and I think this this incredible wave of of software as a service uh, marketing automation systems um, has really brought down that price to a, to a really nice affordable um, amount for the average company. You know, I think for you guys, it's it's you know less than an intern, right? You know, you can get a marketing automation system, which even in a one or two person marketing shop could relieve you of so much you know, uh, stress and um, work that it would be well worth its while. You know, are are you guys seeing a significant change in your customer base that way too, that a lot of of smaller organizations are starting to come into the marketing automation problem? I think so. You know, you mentioned earlier as we were talking just about product innovation in general, just, you know, how you see that come kind of of top down. Um, You know, I always use the analogy of, because you're innovating products, you know, somebody did put peanut butter and, uh, and chocolate together eventually, and it had this cult following, and all of a sudden Reese's came out with peanut butter cups, and now everybody said, wow, where was this last year? Uh, and now it's quickly adopted. So if you look at technology five years ago. Do you guys ago, have peanut butter or chocolate? I think chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. It goes to the chocolate. <laughs> uh, but if you look at, you know, marketing technology, you know, five years ago you had these large companies that bought Web Analytics, they bought business intelligence, they bought... Uh, an email engine, and they paid somebody a whole lot of money to put it all together. And this group started to have a little small following, but it was big dollars to, to play. Yeah. You to buy all these systems and integrate it. What Right On has done is we've come along, built a much better bootstrap, pulled all those key elements together in one package product that we're now offering out there. And yes, you have these small to mid-sized companies saying, yeah, I'll, I will happily shell out that, that small amount of money because otherwise it would cost, I would have to go buy all these multiple systems and figure it out myself. And uh, and on that route, I should, you know, brag you guys up a little bit that Gleamster is actually rated you tops as far as um, ease of use and, and implementation, which in our experience with working with marketing automation, we work with a bunch of companies that have different ones right now. Um, implementation and ease of use are probably the biggest hurdles to success. It's not how sophisticated their system is. Some of them are incredibly sophisticated. But the fact that they can't get it off the ground in a year and they have to hire and burn, you know, three employees to mm-hmm. train and, and implement, I mean, that, that's that's something that we see happening over and over and over in that industry. It's interesting, though. Troy and I are just off a, a series of analyst calls this week. Uh, one was with Weinster, and they were sharing a little bit about their approach to, to generating these reports, and all surveys. So most analysts that you work with, they partner, enforcer, they talk to the world, and then they decide. Right. Um, Gleamster said, I'm going to take X number of customers from each of the folks that we're working with, and we're going to do a third-party survey. So Marketo, Eloqua, all these others that you know, they submitted customers as well, we beat out all of them in three out of four categories uh, based mm-hmm. on the, the yeah. customer response. But it's it just, uh, um, you know, that's just something that doesn't happen in the analyst world. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. Yeah, the analyst world is an interesting world. It is. Yeah. You could have a whole radio show on that. Yeah, you didn't have to. 
fly someone to Paris? For no, I'm sure. No, no, none of yeah. that. Thing. <laughs> so, Andy, you, you touched upon something that that I've seen, uh, you know, based upon 15 plus years in this industry, and that is that uh, organizations buy into very large, uh, complex, uh, pricey solutions mm-hmm. and tend not to really leverage all the benefits that they can accrue because they're really focusing. They're attempting to focus on one thing. And, and I think Troy really really alluded to it earlier, and it was, you know, this harmony between sales and marketing. Um, you know, find a solution that people actually use uh, and that achieves results, um, you know, that's the winning combination. I think. When you, and you've got the opposite scale, too, right? You've got the people that go for the freebies and, and can't leverage them. Or don't leverage them. You know, we joke, we joke with people all the time that, you know, Google Analytics is fantastic, right? Every company uses Google Analytics. But they do they truly leverage it to change the way that they're marketing? Most companies say no, you know. But if you talk to someone that they bought into Omniture or WebTrends or Core Metrics and you ask them, they'll say, oh, my God, we live off of that data and we make decisions based off of that data. And it's... And so it's it's interesting that you know you, you have both ends of the scale there. Yeah. You, know, you guys are right smack in the middle. That you know that that you're not you're not this you know premium ridiculous two year implementation you know model, um, and you're not going to break the bank. But at the same time, you can get everything accomplished that you need to, you know, with the product that you guys. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Doug. You know, I think you know, as we look at it, we boil the ocean down to we help our customers you know, win more new business, so new projects that come in, uh, keep that business, so how do we onboard them in the right way and communicate them in the right way, and then how do we grow that customer base? So, you know, we're truly about help taking it from initial brand contacts through that brand advocacy, so the full life cycle. Um, and as we go about doing that, you know, the interesting thing that uh, we keep coming back to is services really helps you know, the person connecting with you and consulting with you talk about how to set it up your way is so important. Yeah. And not to give too much away from our marketing strategy, but we've just found a lot of people go and buy software or get the, you know, more of a premium software, and a year later they're not using it. So, we've done it. So we've come along, <laughs> we've come along with kind of a low price solution that's a combination of both, and you know, people are just buying it up like hotcakes. So yeah. we're real excited with this. And Andy, would it be too much of a stretch to, to also say that you know, the RI solution um, helps organizations treat customers the way they want to be treated. Very much so. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we're about ready to have an article hit the, the wire here that talks about being a, a, uh, an engaging brand. And what we mean by that is we think it's very, very critical the way that we all interact with brands in a different way. And we can all, if you pose a question of what's your favorite brand, you think of the brand that actually pushes and pulls information from you. Um, technology companies are very good at this, but, you know, we've recently gotten a car, and, and uh, the GMC has been fantastic as far as social and other interactions with us after the fact. So we've just launched an engagingbrand.com initiative, and what it is is a site and a study that we're going to be doing uh, that really prompts people to go and say, give us your top three brands that engage with you, and we're going to start we're gonna do a fun little report on it Right. And really summarize some of the, the, the topics uh, that are top of mind for And it's not just B2B, B2C as well. It's not. It's really across the board. I mean, I, I can share my, my favorites, but obviously that would buy a whole crowd here. 
So, you know, just when you have a moment, go out and engage in I'm bored, so you, you're oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, forget that. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a really good, great question, and it's a great, you know, thing. I think that a lot of people can just have conversations around. And, and let's, let's uh, I'm going to take a big leap kind of backwards, you know, for people that aren't even, you know, very familiar with marketing automation tools in at their, at their minimum, you know, um, at their minimum, a marketing automation tool, and you correct me if I'm wrong or, or enhance what I'm saying, is going to allow you to basically capture events, score people based on those events, and then trigger activity based on those events automatically. So I could create something that said, if someone you know uh, signed up for a demo on my site and then didn't follow up with us in 30 days, that they're going to get an email that invites them back or, or something like that. Is that a is that a fair, you know, um, is that a fair kind of description of the, the key functionality of a of a marketing automation system? But I think uh, understanding the workflow and triggers, I think those are key fundamental functions or pieces of functionality within within the marketing automation tools. You know, we sort of see out there in the marketing automation space is that um, the way it's being defined today, the players that are in there, pretty much all of them are B2B only. You know, it's a, yep. a, a, a very specific play they have. And the value prop for these organizations is market is going to acquire leads. They're going to warm them up through nurturing, through workflows, multi-channel, multi-touch campaigns, and when they get to a certain threshold, they'll pass them off to the CRM system. Okay. And so, you know, it, they started off as being called lead management systems, and they moved to marketing automation. Now they call themselves different acronyms that, that are out there. So we play in that space because we do that too, but we focus on customer lifecycle marketing, which is a, a much bigger approach to that, looking at your customers as well as just your customers. I'd like to hear you talk more about the concept of life cycle. So how would you define that life cycle? Most of the conversation so far has been around what I think of as pre-sales, so in my, I've got a picture in my mind of what the life cycle is. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. So think about a university, right? Think about where you went to college. And what is the journey that you go from when you're first introduced at university to where you are now, you know, many years later after graduating? So the first stage would be that you're a prospective student. The next stage is you're an enrolled student. The next stage is you're an alumnus. And the next stage is you're a donor. And the gate criteria is very objective, right? You enroll and you pay tuition and you graduate and you make a gift, right? So I think every company can think about their own brand and say, what is the journey that someone goes through with us? And obviously on the front end, there's the here people that we don't know and they just started to get to know us. Maybe they've attended an event or a trade show or downloaded the white paper. Maybe we talk to them. Maybe there's an opportunity. But it continues on to where they're a new customer, they're a repeat customer, they're a loyal customer, and you can have as many stages as you want. Most of our customers have between four and six that are out there. Um, they have to be flexible because, you know, a university is going to have different stages compared to a technology company. So um, that's how we look at life cycle marketing is really about that whole journey that someone goes through. So it's sort of taking the marketing funnel, the sales funnel, the account management funnel, and stacking them and turning them on the side and looking at that throughout the entire relationship. Yeah, it's interesting to, to follow up on that. So we just uh, on a call yesterday with Adam Sarner, who's a, a long-time consultant and uh, analyst with Gartner. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this. One of his main reports talks about multi-channel. And they throw really everything 
every company you've ever heard of falls into this marketing multi-channel world. And so we're really we're on the same topic and really just saying, you know, how do you break the world down? He said, you know, every technology company out there is trying to figure out how to communicate across all these channels, and they're all taken from a different slant. They have loyalty systems, they have content systems, they're all kind of trying to do a lot, add feature functionality. So what's been refreshing with marketing automation specifically is we're really taking a dis- you know, dissecting out key components of how do we communicate, uh, you know, the web analytic component, the intelligence component, the automation component, and bring it into one very focused solution. Choice point, most of them around how do we help B2B folks uh, right on a unique spot, uh, according to the analysts, and that you actually serve both B2B and B2C marketplaces, which is a very, very uncommon, but it's a really growing area. Because if you think about it, every brand, even if they're B2B, they have to communicate to the constituents in kind of a B2C fashion, via Twitter, Facebook, uh, and other communication methodologies. There's some really neat trends coming, coming around altogether. Well, if I may, I think that, you know, an interesting dilemma that many organizations have been facing for quite a long time is have to do a lot with the data that they're capturing, which is increasing by the day, and is um, a little, it's hard to manage. Yeah. Um, but then also how, how you take all of that data, which is extremely valuable and is what is ultimately going to be driving your campaigns and monitoring their success, but using that data to actually connect with people. So it's finding a connection between the numbers and the people. And I think the way that you do that is by creating a story. And the lifecycle marketing approach does that for you. It not only looks at prospects, not only looks at customers, but it provides a single view of one person or one organization and allows you to run seamless marketing campaigns, regardless of what side of the buying cycle that they're on, um, regardless of, of what they're doing or they do day basis and um, who they're talking to. Well, I think I think what you said was important. We were, you know, when we sat down with your team because we're implementing your software right now, and um, and the, the first step was where's your data, you know? Mm-hmm. And we were saying, well, we're we really don't have a CRM. We don't really track. We don't really, you know, and 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 they just kept asking, kind of. You know, so where do you go get your leads from? Where do you go? You know, it wound up that we had five lead sources, you know, that, that we weren't even really, you know, actively aware of. You know, we have three different websites that bring things in, you know, and we have, you know, a couple other things on the side, you know, that bring things in. But, you know, we weren't even actively aware of where our leads were coming from. And answering those questions was so important because, it is going to give us a, 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 a good, clean picture that because we have three different websites, we have the agency site, we have the, the book site, and we have the marketing blog, we're going to be able to see what the differences are on the leads that we're garnering from each of those systems. You know, we kind of have a feeling of who the better customers have been and not been, but we really don't know, you know. And so if if one of them turns out to be fantastic and the other one doesn't, we can score those higher I can return those calls. You know, that was the other half of the conversation was, well, how do you process a lead? And I was like, well, it's pretty easy. After two weeks when they stream at me, then I have a call them back. <laughs> 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 yeah, I apologize and call them, you know, and, and get them back in. Um, but, you know, it's a challenge to our organization. We have four people. You would think that we would be able to manage that kind of, Process, but it's a difficult process to manage. 
But I also think to, um, <clears throat> to Lauren's point, you know, with the with this rise of, of, of data, big data, so to speak, you know, organizations are, are being crushed with, you know, the notion of what do we do with all of this information. And, you know, having a solution that takes the guesswork out of what to do with all of this data from a relationship perspective makes sense. It doesn't have as much to do about the tsunami wave of data as it does to, you know, how do we relate and interact with our customers and our prospects? What does, to your point, what does that life cycle look like? It's, it's, it's great that you said that. The, the amazing thing to me is that even the folks that we work with, right, they are always looking at the wrong metrics, right? You know, I can't tell you how many times that someone says, you know, we're trying to improve our bounce rate. And I go, well, what's, what's the impact of improving your bounce rate on your conversions? Oh, we don't know. Well, then why are you trying to improve your bounce rate? Maybe it's great that you have a high bounce rate and you're getting rid of all those people that would have been crappy leads, you know, so they came and left as soon as they identified that you weren't the right, you know, solution. You know, but it's amazing to me how many people, because analytics is just thrown in their lap, they think, well, these are my key things, more people to the site, more eyeballs, more this, more that, more this, just get more. We get more and we're okay. Well, I mean, even thinking about email marketing, and you know, most organizations will look at email marketing and how they track their success is by the open rates or their click through rates. Yeah. Then the question is once. The question is right. once, but it's also a an unsubscribe, not click through, right? And most of the systems count that as as the same, and yeah. I still can't figure that out. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. people click through. Wait, they didn't subscribe. <laughs> pretty crazy. That is interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Check them out. Yeah. We're not like that. That's not our application. But who's uh, the group? Right? Then was, was it the customers? Was it the prospects? Right. Was it the folks that just first got to know you? And would that make a difference to you? Right. You know? And was this email campaign just, we're going to send everyone the exact same message and here we go? Or are we trying to send unique messages to people based on first where they are in the relationship with you? Right. And so we think segmentation is very important with data. The first part of segmentation is where are they in that relationship? Then you use customization to personalize and customize those communications as you move forward. Well, and you, you just, uh, you know, you said it a while ago that you turned the funnel sideways. It's the same with this, right? Typically, people think of a campaign and they think this week's campaign. This week's newsletter, that's my campaign. No, that's not your campaign, right? The campaign is the audience and, and the, the touch points that you're bringing them through. You know, it's a series of events. It's a series of, you know, it's a, it's a process, not, not an event. Well, you know, go back to that university example. So a few months ago, I spoke at the, uh, the Indiana Independent Colleges uh, Association. Association of Indiana, Indiana, the Association of Indiana, and they were, um, they're saying, you know, we spent a lot of marketing dollars on typical advertising, a lot of billboards, radio, TV, print, and these are private schools in Indiana that have a small student base, and I say, well, from where do your students come? They say, well, you know, we have, you know, 40% are legacies, and we have 20% come from you know, referrals of kids from their hometown, and 
but like when you're sitting on your money on traditional hepatitis, it doesn't make any sense. And so back to those messages, you would send a very different campaign to prospective students, sure. or current students, but why not send messages to alumni to try to incorporate referrals to drive the students? If, yeah. If that's what's driving students, and that's what you're trying to do, why not use what's working? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it very much lends itself to the quality of the class. Yeah. I think the single biggest problem in the marketing industry right now is that everybody looks at quantity and nobody looks at quality. I, we, we have, we've been blessed. I mean, we've had some fantastic clients. But Doug Thies is in here, but, you know, Doug's with Lifeline Data Centers, and, and we brought them through two now, two rebuilds of their site and, and everything else. And, and uh, the initial rebuild of their site dropped their visitors and, and increased their ranking on relative keywords, increased the conversion rate, but dropped overall visitors. And it was because they were getting found for a bunch of terms that weren't relevant to their industry. And th those terms happened to be driving a lot of traffic to their site. Um, and and it, it was amazing because, you know, they, they were great about it. You know, they were like, we're not complaining because we have more conversions, but our overall volume is down. Should we be worried about that? And we're like, no, you shouldn't be worried about that. That's, you know, as long as conversions are increasing, that's what you want. I don't, I don't want everybody to visit my website. I only want the people that are interested in doing business with us someday to visit my website. You know, yeah. and I, and it's a weird. Well, you tell some people that, and they just go, "What are you nuts?" You know, we want New York Times to mention us so that we get two billion people to the website. Why? So that you, your servers go down and you're, you know, you're knocked out of the space. You know, forget that. You know, all of a sudden that makes the marketer gain credibility with the sales team because the sales team knows all along that the amount of visits to your site, the amount of leads you're driving aren't actually doing anything. But right. when you can acknowledge that and say, hey, we got this many people to come to an event and 20% of them are going to be decent. Yeah. All of a sudden you're not just sounding like you're trying to sound like you just went and did something. Yeah. Yeah, I always tell people, if you want visitors, I can go buy you visitors. Uh -huh. We can go buy visitors whenever you want to. You know, if if you think that's your problem, that's fine. You know, but it's it's typically not. You know, it's 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 cracking this case. You know, right. what does an average customer look like? So with your solution, you guys can play with those numbers, right? You can score people higher and lower based on, you know, what a customer looks like, and then adjust, you know, those those campaigns. So it's interesting that, you know, your iteration of campaigns is, isn't just, you know, I'm going to test a, do an A-B test on a, on a, you know, a title of an email. It's also, I might adjust my scoring a little bit. I might adjust my timeline a little bit. I might adjust my messaging a little bit, you know, and then continue to fine tune that along the way, right? Yeah, we got it. It is, but it's also about as people engage with you and explore the components of your site and, and you have physical interactions with them, that helps to recalibrate the whole messaging altogether. Right. So even I think some people get really concerned about A versus B testing. The reality is you set up the process, go yeah. consult, walk you through, here's let's set up the map that we want to educate you on. And regardless of where you enter or how you interact, it's always kind of take you back towards uh, what's what's most important to you. Well, you look at your email campaigns, for example, going back to that, you know, who's most likely to engage with your email? 
probably the customers that you're engaged with the most. Right? You got it. Yeah. Right. Folks that already know you. Yeah. Right? Folks that you don't know, and if you buy a list or whatever, they're not going to open it. So I could meet someone today and have a conversation with them, and they could send me an email that has a link that says, hey, Troy, you should probably check this out, the text-based link, and I would click on it and open it. Right. Someone else could go spend a hundred grand and go to MIT and create the world scientifically best email design, use retina scans and color clouds and all kinds of crazy things to say these are the right words, the right colors, the right hues, the right layouts, and they can send it to me on email. Yes. Right. So it comes down to if you drive engagement, you'll drive engagement. We we uh, we you know the parallel for us is in content marketing, right? It's it's you know, people ask us, well, you know, what should our average word count be? You know, what, uh, how often a week should we be posting? And we're just telling them, please, just do it. Just go. Just tell the story. You know, get it out there, you know. And, well, we're going to fine-tune the title. Just put it out there, you know. And, and let's see what happens so that we can adjust accordingly, you know. Are you talking about us? No, I'm not talking about you guys. <laughs> you guys are doing a great job right now, so. If we could fast forward several years, what do you think sophisticated clients of yours are going to be doing with software that you perhaps enhanced by them? We've seen a lot of I mean, significant change and, and evolution here in five years. What might things look like a couple years out? Well, the fastest growing resource on the planet today is data. Right, it's a fact. So, so with that um, data, I think that gives us opportunity to look at things. I think you'll see marketing technologies emerge. I think that technologies will become a lot smarter, mm-hmm. and I think that you'll um, have better analytics to be able to predict more things from a marketing perspective. So, what would be a practical application? Maybe you kind of weave a little story of, you know, if, if I were a very sophisticated client of yours, what I might do differently couple of years out from what I could do today. Well, it's interesting. I think in, in general, I'll throw a term out here called point solutions. I think you will see a, a decrease in solutions that only do one thing, the web analytics, content management, and you're going to see the creation of platforms or many platforms, um, but those platforms will be very focused around a, a, a niche, if you will. So I think what you'll see more and more of uh, it's kind of like you know, when Walmart comes in, what happens? Everybody says all retailers die. That's not the case. Actually, a lot of boutique retailers pop up and start charging more for this little offering that they have because it's very, very valuable. It's easier, faster, it's more efficient. So I think, you know, what's going to be occurring, quite honestly, is you're just going to have a lot of these nimble companies stepping in that are good at aggregating technology and the thought leadership around what a specific group of marketers need. I totally agree. I, th- I think the I think that the the time of twenty vendors and twenty tools and mm-hmm. a department to integrate and stuff they're they're getting behind us quickly. You know, I, I see it Eric, in five years. If I was going to say, you know, DK New Media had you know let's say twenty employees or something in five years, the way I would picture you know our right on interactive you know notion is that. We probably have about 60 to 100 campaigns running simultaneously to different, you know, perspective customers, clients, upsell, prospects, everything else. And what we're monitoring is, you know, the time to get them to take the tech next step. We're monitoring, you know, the, the, the campaign reaction and adjusting, you know, the messaging along. 
and we're literally just fine-tuning that. But the fact is that everybody that enters into a relationship with us goes into some kind of different campaign based on who they are, based on where they're from, based on what they're looking for, based on where they found us, based on, you know, all of these different data elements. And, and ultimately, that's what I would love to see is, you know, there's a person that's just kind of scratching at the door that wants to know, you know, what, what, what do you guys do? And they would get a set of messaging, you know, all the way to someone who's ready to buy and we're pushing back and pre-qualifying them and saying, you know, are you sure you want to go into a relationship like this? And, 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 and the ability for a marketer to sit there at a screen or a series of screens and be able to tactically look at each one of those journeys, you know, and see how, how well they're performing to me is where, where it's heading, you know. And, and a 20-man team with that complex uh, uh, campaign strategy doesn't seem, you know, far off for me. And I hope also it ultimately leads to the elimination of all billboards. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the billboards are funny. <laughs> I think it's going to lead a lot to advertising that is just overall better advertising yeah. that doesn't end up having you wish that you would turn it off. Yeah. Advertising is fine if it's actually segmented towards you and you actually want the things that it's advertising. Yeah, I think there's there's you know the the bad part that we're in right now is that we have these guys that just just you know chill out you know, I I always throw these guys under the bus but go daddy, you know. You you put a chick with you know cleavage up there and you sell more domains. I wish they would just go away, you know, because the guys that are actually doing a good job with a good interface and taking care of their clients well with domains have to compete with that, and it's just ah, you know. So and I agree. I would love for that to go away. I'm just not sure that it's going to go away. I mean, people are just you know they like the smut, they like the trash, they like that. So you got smart marketers on one side, and you got, you know, don't more domains on the other. Yeah, you got someone on the other side that just says, just get someone pretty. Oh, God, we could we could kill that right away. Just put you and I in bikinis. We would kill something right away. You know, that's that's for sure. I know. Yeah. Just, you know, this is great visual sight. Never moving away. Well, that's awesome. Well, what's what's uh what's next year look like for Right On Interactive? You guys are are you, you guys are looking for? Are, you might be moving. We might be. Yeah, we're evaluating uh, new locations as we speak. So we're checking out different places down here. Great. And, uh, so lots of growth. Lots of growth with uh, additional employees, customers. Um, lots of uh, things on the partnership side as well. So it's gonna be a fun year for us. Well, I I got it hand it to you again, we really like working with companies that have grown kind of organically, and you guys are one of those companies, and, you know, Isaac's sitting here from Tinderbox, and, and he's that way, too, that, you know, you guys didn't get 10 million bucks, and, you know, gets to go blow a bunch of money off, you know, handing out freebies at, you know, conferences. You guys have really gutted this out, and, uh, and persevered through taking care of your customers, and, I should be, I, you know, I, I got to mention, you know, we have a couple sponsors on the show, Delivera, who is the same. You know, I mean, we really appreciate working with them. 
because of that same spirit, you know, that they're going to take care of their customers and, and that's what's key to them. And then SurveyMonkey as well is a, is a great client of ours too, um, who I'm overview sending some reports to. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but please, please, I apologize. <laughs> But uh, you know, and then and then we you know we uh, we just literally left a meeting with a new customer Angie List, uh, and Angie's List is the same way, you know, for how ten years now, gutted it out, you know, with customers to get where they are and now IPO and everything else, and we love companies like that because they just they just really sincerely care about where their customer base is going, and that's that's the right. It's easy to do marketing for those companies. So. So thank you for the opportunity and thanks for joining us on the show. Thank thanks. you. Any uh, any events coming up that you guys are, are doing that you need to talk about, or where should we look for you next? We definitely uh, you just set up an event on the on the west coast, uh, you know, gearing up to the summertime. So a lot of uh, new articles that will be hitting the wire here pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, we're definitely evaluating a couple of events to do. So we're we're going to do a webinar sometime, right? We're going to do a webinar. Yeah, it'd be great. We've just got some new releases that come out of just some fantastic things for the, the user interface. And uh, I was going to show that off. And you guys, I should say, too, that, you know, I mean, you guys have a, a nice model. You guys you can create and deliver emails to your system. You don't have to have an email service provider. You can, but you don't have to. Um, you also have a landing page solution built right in. Um, which is as easy to use as the email module that you guys have too. And I think so, the biggest thing is multi-channel. So it's yep. how do you send a direct mail piece followed by an email followed by an event at Salesforce or your CRM choice uh, to a landing page? Um, so we do all of that. Make it very simple and easy for marketers to kind of go from point, you know, first point to end point uh, with relative ease. So Perfect. systems do it all. And you guys can uh, one system to rule them all. That's it. That's uh, and people can find you at writeoninteractive.com. Right. And then your Twitter? ROI underscore marketing. ROI underscore marketing. Yeah. Uh, and Facebook, Write On Interactive. Yeah. Google Plus, Write On Interactive. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and it is, if uh, this sparks your interest, you can certainly look forward to a joint webinar series. You can write on in Tinderbox as well. Uh, learning more about. Wait a second. Did you guys beat me to it? Oh, so far, Eddie. Oh, 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 Eddie. Well, thanks, everybody. This, is, this has just been a real treat, and uh, and love having the friends in, in on the uh, in on the radio show too. So uh, that's it for the show today. Everybody, join us uh, next week. Who do we got next week? Tinderbox. Oh, we have Tinderbox. Oh my God. Two weeks ago. We all the guys who come back to want to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Have a great weekend. The Marketing Tech Blog, sponsored by DK New Media. If your online presence isn't driving affordable leads to your company, DK New Media can assist. DK New Media specializes in building measurable online strategies, leveraging search engines, social media, video, mobile, and your existing site. DK New Media helps you automate your efforts, reducing resources needed, all while educating your staff and making you the experts. Visit DKNewMedia.com for more information.
Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog. for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog. Visit us online at marketingtechblog.com. From there, find links to follow us on Facebook and Twitter.